Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, September 13th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Thanks for joining us here. Great day for a show, and I'm glad to be bringing it to you. I've been uh, having some laptop problems lately, and uh, it was just uh, giving me some problems just a half hour before showtime. Always freaks me out, makes me a little nervous, but uh, looks like everything's working. Glad to have you here. Before we get into today's show, let me do some plugging, some promo, some hype for this Friday's show. I am so excited to be welcoming to the show for an extended interview, the body himself, former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, will be joining us on the show. And uh, he's here to promote his book, Marijuana Manifesto. I've heard all sorts of great things about it, read a couple of excerpts. So really excited to talk to the governor uh, about his Marijuana Manifesto, the initiatives that are happening across the country, but also a little bit about presidential politics. Uh, He was one of the most successful third-party candidates in history. So I want to talk to him about Governor Johnson's candidacy and the uh, presidential race and uh, how he thinks that might impact marijuana legalization as well. So tune in this Friday. We'll be live at 3 p.m. Pacific, but you can also catch it on the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or TuneIn. All right. On today's show, we've got a great guest as well because we're beginning our countdown to Marijuana Election Night 2016. And of course, the big prize on the docket is California for marijuana legalization statewide under Proposition 64. But flying under the radar on the national screen is the fact that California has got about 62, I think it's 62, different local initiatives and and. Uh, moratoriums and bans and tax hikes and all sorts of things that the people are voting on city by city, county by county across California. So joining us today in our government at work, we will be speaking with Ellen Comp from California Normal, and she's going to give us a rundown on some of the most important votes that are happening there in the Golden State. Also coming up on the show today in drug war data mining, we've got two new polls to show you, one from California on legalization and one from Massachusetts on legalization. We'll drill down into those to show you where the support lies. Also on the show today in Behind the Headlines, Cannabis Focus will take a look at a new study that uh, reiterates something we've learned from some other studies, and that is that cannabis consumers tend to have a lower body mass index than non-cannabis consumers. Yeah, pot gives you the munchies, but it also seems to make you skinny somehow. So we'll tell you all about that coming up right after the Cannabis Radio News. And in the headlines today, we have got uh, news out of Denver, Colorado, the latest sales figures for cannabis in the state. We've got uh, the latest uh, the latest bad news for the folks at MI Legalize and the, and the Hail Mary attempt to try to get marijuana legalization on the ballot there and defend the uh, voting rights and the 
petitioning rights of Michiganders everywhere. We've got uh, news from Arkansas, a high-profile donation against medical marijuana, but not a surprising one. We've got news out of my home state of Idaho, where the Idaho State Police are freaking out about all the marijuana that's coming across the state. Then we'll go across the pond to the United Kingdom, where there's a new report in Parliament about medical marijuana. And up in Fairbanks, Alaska, they're wrestling with the issue of cannabis cafes, pot lounges, coffee shops, whatever you want to call them. They're talking about it in Fairbanks. Plus, we'll have time for a radical rant at the end of the show and plenty more news coming up in Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. I'm Radical Russ, live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. We'll be right back with the news right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com <sighs> Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash. And I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Good to everybody. Radical Russ here in Aspen, Colorado at the Alaska Northwest Cannabis Classic, at the 26th Annual Boston Freedom Rally, at the High Times Cannabis Cup Northern California, day one of Canacon in Seattle, Washington. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, September 13th, 2016. Denver, Colorado. Pot shops in Colorado have once again set an all-time monthly sales record. The Denver Post reports that $122.7 million in recreational and medical cannabis was sold in July 2016, an increase of 27% over the prior year. July beat the previous record set in April, thanks to the 420 holiday, when the state tallied $117.4 million in sales. 
Analysts point to summertime tourism as a factor in the increased sales, bolstered by a law passed in June that increased the amount of marijuana tourists could buy from a quarter ounce to a full ounce. July's figures put 2016's overall haul at $720.4 million, compared to $538 million in the first seven months of 2015. This year's sales have generated $105.8 million in tax revenue for the state. Flint, Michigan. A federal judge has rejected a suit from two Michigan signature gatherers to halt the printing of November election ballots, vanquishing the Hail Mary pass by supporters of marijuana legalization to rescue their rejected initiative. U.S. District Court Judge Linda V. Parker ruled that any attempt by the court to halt Michigan's election process is, quote, really too late to have an effect, end quote, as there is a September 24th statutory deadline for sending ballots to overseas voters and a 40-day statutory review period for the legislature to review new initiatives. The plaintiffs, Sean Michael Myers and Dakota Blue Cerna, filed their federal suit on Thursday after the state Supreme Court rejected the last-ditch effort by MI Legalize to revive the legalization initiative. At issue are the 354,000 signatures gathered, well over the threshold to make the ballot, but 200,000 of those signatures were rejected by the state for exceeding a 180-day window for signature gathering. Little Rock, Arkansas. The governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, has personally donated $10,000 to defeat two proposals to legalize medical marijuana on the November ballot. Hutchinson, who was head of the Federal Drug Enforcement Administration from 2001 to 2003, held a news conference Monday to outline his opposition to the Arkansas Medical Marijuana Amendment and the Arkansas Medical Cannabis Act. Quote, the initiatives that will be on the ballot do not lead to good medicine, it is not good medical practice, and it is not best for the patient, end quote, said Governor Hutchinson, who also worried about the details of regulation, the cost to taxpayers, and the fact that marijuana is still a federally banned Schedule One drug. Boise, Idaho. Idaho State Police are noting a 1,000% increase in larger marijuana seizures in the gem state since Washington and Oregon have legalized it. The state police seized 131 pounds of marijuana in cases involving a pound or more being trafficked across Idaho back in 2011, before Washington had legalized. In 2015, the seizures were nearly 1,650 pounds. State police spokesmen say more education is needed to teach visitors that what's legal in their state is prohibited in Idaho, despite the fact that traveling with pounds of marijuana is not legal for medical consumers in Washington and Oregon. Uh, Non-medical consumers, pardon me. Idaho State Police Captain Bill Gardner noted that they have increased their training and patrols to look for marijuana trafficking suspects. London, United Kingdom. A report issued in Parliament is calling for the legalization of cannabis for medical purposes in the United Kingdom. The all-party parliamentary group on drug reforms chair, Lady Meacher, explained that, quote, Cannabis works as a medicine for a number of medical conditions. The UK scheduling of cannabis as a substance that has no medical value is irrational, end quote. The group heard from over 600 medical cannabis patients, leading researchers and clinicians, medical cannabis reformers from the United States and other countries, and reviewed over 20,000 scientific and medical reports. Fairbanks, Alaska. The city of Fairbanks is wrestling with its moratorium on licensing cannabis cafes. Assemblyman Matt Cooper is asking the city council to once again review its moratorium that bans any on-site marijuana consumption venues through November. The council voted 5-4 to four against extending the moratorium. Cooper is worried about the unintended consequences of the moratorium, which does not allow cannabis cafes within city limits, and that it might cause problems for planning and zoning later on when the state marijuana control board finally issues its regulations. 
This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, September 13th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. The political climate is at a fever pitch. And the fight for the social fabric of America is set for battle this November. Tuesday, November 8th, the Cannabis Liberation Movement takes a huge step forward. And Cannabis Radio is here to chronicle this legendary moment. CannabisRadio.com and the Cannabis Radio News Team will feature wall-to-wall live coverage of all the coast-to-coast voting of state amendments, ballots, propositions, and initiatives that will further progress the Cannabis Crusade. Join us November 8th for Vote 2016, the path to cannabis freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I am a round peg in a square hole. Okay, maybe you're high too. Marijuana legalization is a worldwide phenomenon. Get yourself positioned for the global cannabis marketplace by attending the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You'll learn from established cannabis professionals, elected officials, and internationally recognized marijuana law reform activists. You'll also enjoy the ICBC's famous VIP party featuring ICBC special guest speaker and Canadian native Tommy Chong. The ICBC is happening in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, October 13th and 14th at the Hyatt Regency. Log on to internationalcbc.com today to reserve your tickets. That's internationalcbc.com and bookmark our page for the next ICBCs taking place in Berlin, Germany and San Francisco, California. Don't miss the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we're taking a look at a study that's being reported in LiveScience.com that daily marijuana use is linked to lower BMI. Uh, BMI, of course, being body mass index, which is a measurement of your thickness versus your height. Basically, I mean, there's more to it, but that it's an idea of, uh, of just how much body fat you've got or how how large you actually are. And uh, the story or the study, I should say, tells us that the researchers found that the people in the study who used marijuana daily had about three percent lower body mass index on average than those who did not use marijuana at all. Now, this uh, was counter to what some people and maybe even the researchers might have thought they'd have found when they did this research. And 
you know, people always have the stereotype that marijuana uh, causes the munchies. You're going to eat a bunch of junk food, a bunch of processed food. Funyuns comes to mind. And of course, even in the medical aspects, people know it to be an anti-emetic. You know, it helps nausea, helps chemotherapy patients eat, helps uh, uh, anorexics eat and so forth. So the thought would be, well, we'd likely to be uh, fatter, but it's just not turning out to be true. The study looked at more than 13,000 adults. Now, the ages were 18 to 26. Now that to me, first of all, that that's a problem to me because, you know, 18 to 26, I think we were all probably at our thinnest, weren't we? <laughs> Most of us anyway. But uh, anyway, the study 18 to 26 and they calculated the BMIs, tested the participants for marijuana use. Now, six years later, they looked at them, you know, they're now they're between the ages of 24 and 32. And you'd think, you know, you're going to put on the freshman 15, you're going to put on that middle age weight, middle age spread. So they looked at the BMIs again, and they found that the women who smoke marijuana daily had 3.1% lower BMIs than the women who didn't. And the BMIs of men who smoked marijuana daily were 2.7% lower. Uh, this study was in the Journal of Mental Health Policy and economics. Now, there's been previous studies on this. We've reported this uh, with Dr. Mitch on our uh, cannabis Q&A segment a couple of times before that uh, found that there was lower BMIs. The, uh, there was a, a small study that was uh, just involved six people uh, that found this. Uh, more recent studies in uh, the Journal of Innovations in Clinical Neuroscience found a link between marijuana and lower BMIs. Some of the explanations given to this, there's many possibilities here, and they're, they're still having to do more research to tease it out. But one consideration may be that people that consume cannabis may be consuming less alcohol. And alcohol, of course, is uh, linked to a higher body mass index. You know, you get that beer gut, right? Other considerations are diet and exercise and, and the thought that uh, marijuana consumers on the whole maybe exercising more, maybe eating better. Uh, now, that might correlate somewhat with kind of what you might think of as the cannabis community uh, hippie ethos, you know, eating uh, gluten-free or organic or, uh, you know, enjoying nature. And I think there could be some, uh, there could be some tie to that as well. The uh, new study doesn't prove that marijuana causes people to lose weight or helps them avoid gaining weight. And this is important when we talk about a lot of these studies because correlation is not equal causation. Doesn't mean that, you know, oh, well, I'm really fat. I had to smoke more pot. Not necessarily. You got to work on the diet, the exercise and so forth. It's, it's something that's uh, been a problem for me and I've been working on it all my life and so far been having some pretty good results. The other thing that we found in some recent research as well has to do with uh, the body's ability to process sugar, uh, insulin, and all that. We found some uh, research showing it to have some homeostatic uh, qualities with respect to keeping insulin levels at uh, proper at their proper level and being able to break down blood sugar more efficiently. So that might be a, a part of that, and that's that's good news to me. Uh, diabetes runs in my family on on my mom and my dad's side, and I don't know I. When I, when I hear studies like this, I can't help but think, you know, as uh, big as I am now, geez, how big would I be if I hadn't been smoking pot every day for the past, oh, I don't know, 
<laughs> 10, 20 years. Uh, it's interesting research. We'll keep our eye on this as it develops. And uh, we hope that they find uh, some other factors here that uh, could help to understand this. I'd like to know more if it's lifestyle related or if it really does have more to do with that blood sugar and it's more homeostasis related. But again, uh, we, more research will find this out. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. Oh, no, it's never a bad week to quit smoking. Tobacco, that shit's bad for you, man. Happy 420 to the Mountain Time Zone. We're talking to you, Montana, where the folks are working on Initiative 182 to restore the medical marijuana law to something that actually works. We'll have representatives from that campaign and the rest of them over the next eight weeks. So stay tuned to the Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Maui Waui. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the data mines, we go to the public opinion polls. We've got two new polls on both sides of the United States, two coasts, east and west. We'll start out in California, where, of course, the big prize on the marijuana election night 2016 roster is Proposition 64, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. 
This would, of course, legalize personal use of marijuana defined as one ounce in public, six plants inside at home, and the results of your harvest. There will be pot shops, and there will be a commercial marijuana industry, and there will even be deliveries and lounges contained within Proposition 64. The latest poll comes to us from USC Dorns, Dornsife, USC Dornsife and Los Angeles Times, and it tells us that Proposition 64 is backed by 58% of California voters, 58% in the polls. Now, we reported recently on another poll that was a 71% support for Proposition 64, a bit of an outlier type of poll, maybe different due to uh, the wording of the question, maybe asked more generally about legalization than asked specifically about Proposition 64. Of course, uh, Proposition 64, uh, the 1,879 respondents, of them 34% would vote against Prop 64 and 8% had no answer. 34%, so one out of three Californians surveyed are anti-Prop 64 at this point. Now, Proposition 19, six years ago, uh, was rejected with 53.5% of the vote. So this is uh, boding well now that we have more support in California over the uh, passage of time and the legalization of four other states. The strongest support for Proposition 64, of course, comes from the youngest voters, ages 18 to 24. Two out of three, 67%, support Prop 64. Problem with voters 18 to 24 is they don't tend to vote. They don't tend to show up. So uh, if you're out there in California and know some younger people, make sure that you're getting them registered and taking them to the polls. And if they complain about it, say, look, you don't got to vote for anything but Prop 64. You know, there's no, there's no rule that says you have to fill in all the boxes. This is not the SATs. You can go there and just say, oh, look, marijuana. Yes. And leave. You, you don't have to vote for everything. Uh, The other support, about 50% of those ages 65 and older favor the initiative. So among all age demographics, even senior citizens, we have at least half that support Prop 64. The uh, initiative is backed by a majority of whites, Latinos, and blacks. Only 47% of Asian Americans, though, support the measure. Uh, The only uh, uh, ethnic or racial demographic to be opposed to Prop 64 as a whole. We also find uh, the the uh, gender gap that we find in some of these polls. 62% of men favor Prop 64 compared to 55% of women. And as usual, when it comes to politics, 68% of Democrats, over two out of three, uh, support it. And 56% of Republicans oppose the initiative. This is available up on the uh, Los Angeles Times website. If you want to check that out, the uh, California legalization poll. Our other poll comes to us from Massachusetts, where a new poll from WBUR and Mass Inc. tells us that 50% of the voters support question four, which is Massachusetts' uh, initiative for the legalization of marijuana. 45% are opposed, and 5% said they don't know. This is a, a very close poll. Uh, 50, 50 to 45 uh, is a five-point lead, not much. And as we uh, continue in through election season, the the tendency is for initiatives to lose support as time goes on, as more voters hear the scare ads and get 
more confused and frightened about what change might be coming to them. So uh, 50% is good, but we'd like to see that number a little bit higher. Having such a low undecided number is also interesting. Only 5% of the Massachusetts voters haven't made up their mind yet. Uh, now, the, the tendency of undecided voters, again, is to break toward no on, on these things because it's easier to reject change than to accept it. The uh, age groups, of course, uh, the younger people, again, support uh, the legalization much more than older folks. The um, poll also showed that 48% of the people believe people using marijuana present a public safety hazard. And 43% say they don't. Then we also had uh, 80% of the respondents say they don't think marijuana use is morally wrong, which is good news. As far as it being a gateway drug, half of the people said it is not. 43% say it is. And asked, what is the most harmful thing to your health? 42% said tobacco. 19% said alcohol. 13% said sugar. And only 4% said marijuana. So the good news out of this uh, Massachusetts poll is that the beliefs we need to help further marijuana reform are sinking into people. They understand it's safer than alcohol. They don't think it's morally wrong. I think we can get legalization passed in Massachusetts. I'm going to be there up at the uh, Boston Freedom Rally this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I'll be appearing on two panels, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, and I'll be speaking once on the main stage on Saturday and once on the bandstand on Sunday. If you're out there in the Boston area, come up to the Boston Freedom Rally, noon to eight on Saturday. Method Man and Red Man will be performing. Plus, Boston Freedom Rally always has really kick-ass bands. I do a lot of these gigs, and there's no place better as far as Boston Freedom Rally and the quality of its music from stage to stage and band to band. So check it out. I'll be tweeting and Instagramming and Facebook living and whatever the hell else I can do out there while I'm in Boston. Hope to see you there. Stay tuned. When we come back, we've got California Normals, Ellen Comp on California local votes for the 2016 election. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share.
At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. You're listening to Cannabis Radio News' exclusive coverage of Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 32 after the hour, and for our marijuana election night coverage, we've got a special guest joining us from California Normal. It's Ellen Comp on the line. Ellen, how are you doing? Great, Russ. How are you? I'm fantastic. So glad to have you here. And of course, everybody is looking at California as the big prize. Prop 64 is on the ballot to legalize. It's getting a lot of national attention, but kind of falling under the radar on the national scene is just how much there is being voted on on marijuana in California at the local level. And I was hoping maybe you could run that down for us and maybe give us some highlights. Sure. Well, um, According to the Orange County Register, there are 62 local ballot measures in 25 counties. Uh, I'm, I'm up to verifying 52 of them in 23 counties, I think. Um, they're all over the place and they're all over the map. Um, some are taxing retail, some are taxing cultivation, some both. Some are taxing medical, some recreational, some both. Some of them at different rates. Um, Unlike Colorado's Measure 64, um, there's no cap in AMA, Prop 64 in California, on what locals can tax. In, in Colorado, it's 3%. And the Reform CA measure that CalNormal participated in writing in capped it at 5%. But um, it's going to be a free-for-all, I guess, if AMA passes in November. And um, we've seen in the past that whenever a taxation measure is on a local ballot, it's pretty much got a 100% chance of carrying it. Even even in places that didn't vote for Prop 19 in, in 2010, they didn't want to legalize it, but they wanted to tax it mm-hmm. if it was legal. So um, we're actually concerned in a few places, at least, where um, it seems like uh, taxation could, uh, you know, kill the golden ganja goose, right? Like Santa Barbara, for example, is recommending a 20% tax. Now, this is going to be on top of the 15% tax that's in AMA Mm -hmm. at the state level, plus a $9.25 tax per ounce, Um, and on top of the state sales tax, which is um, 7% or more, depending on the jurisdiction. Now, medical marijuana patients would be exempt from uh, the state or the sales tax if they... um, are maybe if they just have a card, uh, you know, an ID card, which is uh, voluntary at this point, we're going to hope to push for um, more tax relief for medical marijuana patients at least. And eventually we think it'll shake out that um, places that are putting too high taxes. I mean, one place wants to put a $50 per square foot tax and they, they said it was, they wanted it to be prohibitive. Yeah. Um, Humboldt County and Lake County are uh, looking for a one to three dollar per square foot tax, depending if it's indoor, outdoor, or mixed light. 
Um, and that's, you know, obviously a lot more reasonable and welcoming <laughs> to cannabis businesses. So um, it's, it's really crazy. Some places have uh, two or three measures on the ballot, you know, a couple by voter initiative, like say in Long Beach. Um, and then, then the city councils can put a, a tax measure on the ballot too. They can't tax without a vote. Um, so if they want to tax, they're going to have to take it to the voters. And so um, voters in a lot of these places are going to have to decide, uh, you know, whether they want legalization, in, you know, to be in effect in their city, and, and if so, if they want to tax it in at what rate. You know, uh, it's interesting, uh, Oregon here, where I'm calling you from, we also have that uh, mm-hmm. limit of 3% that you can uh, apply as a local tax. And in Oregon, and, and now, you know, I'm covering Massachusetts as well, and their initiative has a, a very low tax rate. And a lot of these people are saying, a lot of these uh, analysts are saying, we got to keep the tax rate somewhat low, or else you you defeat the purpose of legalization. The, 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 the unregulated market sales can continue and undercut those taxes. Uh, is that uh, exactly is, are these, are these locals, you know, they're doing this, these taxations, it sounds like as a, a way to basically kind of dissuade cannabis businesses from establishing themselves there and cannabis sales to happen. But do they note these unintended consequences? Um. It's only been in a couple of cases where they're actually punitive. A lot of people seem to think there's sort of an unlimited amount of, you know, profit in in marijuana. Um, And, of course, it's not really the case. Um, Some have estimated the sweet spot for taxation might be around 25%. And already, Alma pretty much has been a tax at that level. So if you start adding, you know, 20% or something, you're getting upwards to, you know, 45% taxation. I mean, that obviously is going to fuel a black market, we think. Yeah. And it, it will defeat the purpose of legalization. And you're just getting the same people arrested for participating in the black market, which we want to end, and et cetera. Uh, as well as, you know, the other public safety, environmental issues and everything, you know, because, yeah, you know, now we're going to also have, we have a whole regulation uh, layer coming on top, which I'm sure, you know, the other states have seen as well. I'm on my way into a a California Department of Agriculture meeting about medical marijuana cultivation. Um, The state water board is also holding hearings around the state, as is the Department of Public Health, who's got purview over the... um, you know, dispensaries and packaging and testing labs and things like that. So all of these are going to have licensing fees, you know, on top of the taxes as well. Yeah. So, There's going to be a lot to have to deal crazy. with. You know, and this is, yeah. I, I find, of all, you know, no initiative out there for legalization of marijuana has ever passed my muster, but my muster is legal for everyone 18 and older and you get a free pound on your birthday. Uh, so there's always, <laughs> a, there's always a problem with some initiative. To me, the, the problem with Prop 64 is that taxation part. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in establishing a tax that has to be paid by uh, medical cannabis patients. And one of the things we learned here in Oregon when we passed our Measure 91 is we had we had uh, attached to it a harvest tax, a per ounce tax that we later analyzed and realized, well, wait a minute, as the price of weed falls, that tax becomes bigger and bigger in relation to what you're harvesting. Uh, how, how are these right. lessons not picked up uh, in Prop 64? And assuming it passes, how can we go about fixing these problems? Well, I think, you know... Regulation is going to be costly, and so there was, you know, there were taxes put in there to 
help with it. The good news is that Prop 64 allows for um, certain sections of it, including the taxation section, to be amended by a simple majority in the legislature, which, you know, we have a fairly liberal legislature. Um, And so they can be adjusted, and I think um, that they will be. I think it'll be hard, though, for the legislature to adjust local taxes because there's a lot of pressure in Sacramento for local control and local you know, to let the locals do whatever they want. And so after the fact, I think it's going to be pretty hard to put that genie back in the bottle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think the market forces will help because people simply won't um, set up cannabis businesses in places where the prohibit, you know, the taxation is too prohibitive. And, um, you know, that's too bad for the patients who live there, of course, and the, and the other people who live there. So, um you know, if we open up the recreational market, that could be a boon. Uh, you know, I still hear from a lot of people who want to come to California and try medical marijuana, and they can't unless they have a doctor's recommendation. We don't have any reciprocity, even with any other state's medical programs here in California, because we were the first to pass it, and we didn't really think that far ahead, I guess. <laughs> um, so, because <laughs> uh, that was 1996, so 20 years ago. Yeah, there weren't all these other states with medical programs as well. Um so I, uh, there's going to be a lot of shaking out. We're going to have to work really hard to keep um, the small player alive. Um, there are a lot of um, provisions in the, the medical marijuana law that passed last year, MRSA, or now it's MCRSA, for, they changed marijuana to cannabis, um, that uh, prevent vertical integration or too big um, farms. Uh, the MRSA... And AMA allow for um, half-acre farms, but AMA has a provision that in five years you're going to be able to have an unlimited uh, amount of cultivation, and they have that in there in case by that time there's a nationwide market and we have to have larger farms to compete somehow with you know other states that are doing that. So we'll have five years to decide whether to keep that in or whether the legislature can amend that as well. Um, they the uh, Department of Agriculture just did a poll and found out, you know, at least, uh, I think it was about 2,000 people are going to try to apply for um, state licenses. Calaveras County, which is a small county, just had 800 people apply for cultivation licenses. Mm. Um, we we were just up in Trinity County, which is uh, in the Emerald Triangle, and they're actually talking about having a moratorium on the larger half-acre licenses for at least two years and just allow people to sort of start at a smaller level with fewer impacts and show that they're, you know, going to be uh, environmentally responsible and things like that before they allow larger licenses. And I think that might be a good idea in a lot of places. Um, so it's, uh, you know, the, a lot going to be... A lot we're going to have to do over the next uh, few years, for sure. Uh, with these... I know. People say to me, oh, well, when marijuana is legal, normal won't have any work. It's like, oh, no, we're oh, no, going to no. have much more work than we ever did before because we still have to advocate that it's applied fairly. And, you know, I didn't work all these years for legalization to just say, but like a handful of corporations benefit, you know, I want everyone to. So as well as, you know. I think one reason that California and, and probably Oregon marijuana is so good is because it's, it, of the cottage industry that's been so strong, the strains that have been built up in the practices and everything and the kind of back to lander movement. And um, I don't want to see it all be kind of what we call warehouse weed. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a place for indoor, I guess. But um, I, I never really anticipated that indoor would be a factor once we legalized it. But, of course, now there's, the technology is so there and people are so... 
um, interested in indoor and, of course, in a lot of the urban areas and the warehouses. And yeah. Some places are only allowing greenhouses instead of they don't want to see it outdoors. Neighbors don't want to see it or smell huh. it. And so there's still some issues, even though it's, quote, going to be, quote, legal. Well, Ellen um, Comp with uh, California Normal, we've got about a minute and a half. Before we go, I want to make sure that people know to look up canormal.org, canormal.org, to get all the latest on what's going on with these local initiatives. And uh, Ellen, if if you'd like, you know, give people some of your contact information. And, and, and yes, tell them about your new book as well. <laughs> um, yes, canormal.org is the place, and you can join our uh, join CalNormal or join our email list. We're working on our new newsletter that's going to have the election guide in it. So if you join now, you'll get that in the mail. Um, I wrote a book called Token Women that has um, your favorite token woman, Tallulah Bankhead, mm-hmm. in it, and a lot of other women who uh, throughout history who have been uh, enjoyed cannabis or used it for healing and other things. And um, that's to, you know, we, we've always had a lower percentage of women voting in favor of legalization than men. I don't think they realize it's part of our culture, too. And so um, that was my purpose in doing the book. And I have a blog called Token Woman and another one called Very Important Potheads, where I uh, highlight some of these stories. And um, it's been fun and actually really seems to open a lot of eyes to what marijuana really could be instead of the stereotypes about it. That's right. It's a great read. I recommend Token Women. I recommend it highly. Of course, I do most everything highly. Ellen Kahn from California Normal. It's going to be an exciting marijuana election night, and I want to thank you for everything California's norm- California Normal's doing to educate people on these issues and uh, make sure everyone gets out there and votes. Uh, we'll uh, talk That's to you right. again uh, sometime later on this uh, election season, I'm sure, because there's going to be a- plenty to talk about. Fantastic. Thank Thanks you, so much Ellen. for all you do. You betcha. Have a okay. great day. You too. Bye. All right. Stay tuned, folks. When we come back, we'll have time for a radical rant where I have to make an apology. I do. Sometimes I go off and sometimes I need to rein myself in. We're going to do a little reining in when we come back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. The Tommy Chong Show. On Cannabis Radio. You got me running. You got me hiding. Run, hide, and hide, run. Anyway, you won't let her roll. Yeah. 
Fire me doing what you want me, baby. Girl, what you want me to do? Shut up and do a podcast. That's what I want you to do. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Today in the rant, I want to take a moment to issue an apology. Yesterday, I went on an extended Twitter war with Letitia Pepper. Uh, a attorney out there in California who's one of the loudest voices in the anti-Prop 64 movement, the stoners against legalization down there. Following the Twitter war, I went on a lengthy rant on the show, both hour one and hour two, about Ms. Pepper. Now, before you uh, clutch your pearls and faint, uh, some of you guys in the chat room, no, I am not apologizing to Letitia Pepper. Oh, hell no. I am not apologizing to Letitia Pepper. I'm not apologizing to anybody out there who stands with the cops, the rehabs, the drug testers, the prison guards, big pharma, big alcohol, and tough on crime people everywhere that are voting to maintain my criminality in any way for my marijuana use. Oh, hell no. I will never apologize to those people. They can hang out at Kevin Sabet's house for all I care. But what I do want to do is apologize for how I sometimes broad brush things. Sometimes I paint with a broad brush and it happens really happens when I'm mad. (laughs) I get a little angry and this comes to me. This, this awareness comes to me from a a very, very dear friend of mine. Uh, I've known her for 10 years. She's a longtime activist out of Southern Oregon. Um, one of my proteges when I was uh, the normal outreach director and, uh, She's been working with patients in clinics and in activism, and she goes to testify in Salem and, and helps to work with legislative committees, et cetera, et cetera. Huge, huge activist here in this uh, state and a, a, a big fan of the show. And so she was listening to the show yesterday, and then she communicated with me uh, after the show yesterday that uh, you need to quit attacking the medical people so much. And we had a long talk about it, and it was it was productive because I do have this, uh, you know, I do have this kind of balkanization in my mind, this this dichotomy in my mind of medical people versus recreational people, and it's been cultivated in me over the past four different elections, where the only pot smokers I can find 
who are actively campaigning to help the cops keep me a criminal seem to have ties to medical marijuana. Dispensary owners, growers, patient advocates, whatever it may be. And I was telling her, look, every pot smoker who uh, is voting to keep me a criminal happens to be medical. And that's when she turned the phrase and she said, yeah, but not every medical pot smoker is voting against legalization. A lot of us are voting for it. And it kind of hit me. I'm like, yeah, damn it. That's right. I do have this tendency to go off and, you know, oh, medical this, you medical people, you medical people did this. And you And, and the fact is that most of the people involved in medical marijuana are diehard legalization supporters. Some of them came to it through medical marijuana, through helping patients, through compassion. Others had a, a, a clearly political aim that legalization was a stepping stone to move on, to open people's minds to understand that this was not just some deadly, dangerous drug, that it actually had beneficial purposes. So it was wrong of me. It was wrong of me in, in some places in that rant to broad brush, you know, every medical marijuana patient, every medical marijuana grower, every medical marijuana dispensary, every medical marijuana activist. And so I apologize for that. I, I do do that at times. And I don't want that to be the perception. There's already enough division between these two camps, so to speak. And I need to find ways to try to foster more cooperation and understanding of these two issues. Uh, the way I've been trying to do that through fact, science, reason, and logic, as I am want to do, the way I've been trying to do that is to point out that the end point of medical marijuana is a pharmaceuticalized product. We're trying to put medical, we're trying to put this plant cannabis into this medical frame that is well established in this country to process pills and have prescriptions and doctors and pharmacists and all that. We're trying to put the plant into that system as we continue medical marijuana. The beginning of medical, 20 years ago, medical marijuana, quote, medical marijuana, end quote, was a campaign tactic. It was a, it was a, a thought experiment. It was a way to try to get the public uh, reframing marijuana as something that was beneficial. Medical marijuana was like George Bush's compassionate conservatism, right? You add an adjective to try to flip the frame. But now that medical marijuana as a political tactic has succeeded in 25 states to varying effect, it is now changed. It has now evolved into medical marijuana now is, oh, we've proved it has medical benefits in its raw form, now it's time to process it and perfect those medical benefits in a reliable dose replicated type of fashion that can be patented and barcoded and paid for by your health insurance. Part of how I've been trying to bring together medical and recreational is to point out that the recreational fight is the medical fight. But the medical fight is not the recreational fight. Our fight is the, is the meta fight, the big fight, the overall war. The overall war is whether or not we can use cannabis, period. 
whether or not we have sovereignty over our own mind and body to be able to take a plant that comes out of the earth and put it in us. Why we do so is irrelevant. If you fight my fight that we all get cannabis, you win your fight for using it for medical purposes because I'm fighting for everyone to be able to use it for whatever reason they want. But if we continue this medical fight and this focus only on medical, the only direction that goes is toward pharmaceuticalization. And as I express these thoughts, these opinions, these forecasts, sometimes some people on the medical side interpret that as me saying there is no such thing as medical marijuana or medical marijuana ought to be eliminated or I don't believe marijuana is medical. And none of those statements are true. Of course, marijuana is medical. Of course, I want to see patients continue to get medicine. But I am not willing to continue separating us into two separate castes of cannabis consumers, one caste that is subject to prohibition laws. As I've been going over these debates, you know, on on Prop 64 and some of these other initiatives, there seems to be this underlying current among some underlying thread that there can be no change whatsoever to medical marijuana if, if legalization is to happen. Like medical marijuana has to stay in stasis exactly in the form it is right now after legalization passes. And I just don't think that's realistic. I don't, I think even absent legalization passing medical marijuana is going to evolve and change. So certainly with legalization, it's going to evolve and change and the evolution I want to see happen. And again, why my fight is everyone's fight is I want to see a legalization that is so wide open That even the sickest Crohn's patient who needs a pound a month, a pound a week even, will have no problem getting that at a reasonable price. My fight is to end marijuana prohibition to the point where you can have as much as you want. You can buy as much as you want. You can grow as much as you want so long as you're not doing it commercially. I'd have the age set at age 18. But that's a long ways off. That's going to take a lot of work. I'm also realist enough to understand we don't get from prohibition to the Russ Belville true legalization amendment in one fell swoop. So as a step to get there, I'll take a Prop 64 that legalizes an ounce and six plants and moves us forward and starts to establish a beachhead in the realm of legality. Just just a beachhead, though. We're still discriminated against at work and employment and, and all sorts of stuff and school and organ transplants and child custody. And we can't smoke it outside where people can see us or, God forbid, anyone sees a marijuana leaf. Still a lot of work to do. But we got to make a step forward. And that time is this election. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Stay tuned for Hour 2. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tell. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the enema man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's time for Toker Talk Radio. Our phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. 650-534-2565. That's LEGAL-MJ. Our new Google Voice number. It also has a voicemail line on it, so uh, you can call in 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week. You can call it any time and leave a voicemail message, and if you do, we might play it back on the show. So there's that. Ah, such a great day here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. I'm having a, a good time going through these debates with the uh, the anti Prop 64 people. Oh my god! If you follow my Twitter feed, you know that I've been uh, going round and round with uh, Letitia Pepper. She was around in the Prop 19 days, too, so she's not a noob by any stretch of the imagination in this. You know who I miss, though? I miss Dragonfly De La Luz. Where the hell did she go? Dragonfly De La Luz. If you're out there, baby, I miss you. <laughs> she hates my guts. It's okay. There, there are a few people that hate my guts. Actually, more than a few. There are some people that hate me for expressing my opinion. It's the damnedest thing. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Uh... That's okay, though. Uh, and it actually has effects. It actually has practical effects. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about them. Anyway, I, I'm really excited about going through these arguments with these people because, you know, there's, there's some folks out there 
that actually believe this stuff. They, they, you know, I, the people I'm trying to reach in these Twitter arguments and these anti-Prop 64 stuff, you know, there's always going to be a fringe minority that's going to, you know, there, there's no way of convincing them. I, there's nothing I'm going to say or write that's going to change Letitia Pepper's mind and make her go, oh, yeah, well, Prop 64, I guess I will vote for it. No, it's not, never going to happen. What I'm concerned about, though, is that there are voters out there. Let's call them, as I believe it was, was it Bush that said the low information voters? Something in the Republican side was low information voters. Average folks, folks that don't care about politics. They care more about what's going on in The Bachelor than what's going on in the White House. Low information voters don't care about politics, not read up on the stuff, not really investigating what's going on. They don't care they kind of know there's legalization on the ballot, and that sounds interesting. And, and again, most people aren't pot smokers. So the effect that the anti-Prop 64 people have in the Stoners Against Legalization movement is pretty negligible on the ballot overall. But I don't like putting any vote at risk. I want to get as many of them as possible. I want our initiatives to win as large a, 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 a vote as possible, a large margin as possible. I want these wins to keep getting bigger, right? We started off with uh, uh, Washington and Colorado, both passed their legalization by about 55%. We followed that up with Oregon voting at 56%. So this can make a, a huge difference here. Let's go to our phone lines. We got a call from the 973 area code. You're on the air with Toker Talk Radio. What's up? Uh, hey, Russ. Um, glad to talk to you. Uh, long time fan. Uh, listen, uh, I, uh, I wanted to talk about something that I haven't heard uh, a lot of mention on, and I've been following um, Twitter feeds, um, the marijuana Twitter feeds, uh, closely, the, the, the reliable ones, uh, yours, of course, Tom Angel, Dan Riffle, MPP, Ethan Edelman, all of these guys. And what, I, what I'm interested in and, frankly, quite worried about is that uh, there's a recent poll um, on uh, Proposition 64 in California, which is supposed to win by a mile um, on Election Day. But the most recent poll from Survey USA uh, has it up only, uh, only by 52 to 40. And even in the uh, notation on the poll from Survey USA, they say that uh, it's typical for ballot measures to become less popular as Election Day uh, goes forward. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, um, they sort of lose momentum because uh, apparently uh, people uh, are if people are aren't in favor of something, they, they just figure the uh, no vote is a vote for the status quo. Right. And, you know, California has a sort uh, has a pretty, a pretty good regime, um, pretty good, uh, medical, pretty good access. And, um, 
So in any case, uh, even though we're uh, we're we're way up in the the money race, you know, so we're pro uh, uh, to pro Prop 64 is outspending the other side by 60 to one, and you know the the Clinton campaign is, is, has California on lockdown. I'm I'm really quite worried, especially given that you know this is 38 million voters, and and it's California is obviously the, the sort of the cultural capital of the United States. And uh, I just think that, you know, if we mess this up, um, it's just going to be devastating. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially, you know, having lost Prop 19 in 2010 and then your next your very next follow up to lose it again, it would be devastating. But maybe I can uh, set your mind at ease a little bit. I don't know what the date is. Do you know the date on that survey USA poll? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, if you give me an email address, I'll, I'll email you a little Google sure. link. Uh, but the da- data, sa- it says that the data was collected. Uh, September 8th to September 11th, in hmm. other words. Okay. Um, yeah. That's, that must be a fresh, um, must be fresh out of Survey USA. I'm RadicalRuss at gmail.com if you want to send me stuff. Uh, I reported on the poll today that came out of uh, USC, uh, LA Times, and it was a 58%. So if we're between oh, okay. 52 and 58, that's... Uh, it's okay. I'd like it to be higher. You know, when Prop 19 was, uh, you know, the September of 2010, it was polling around 55% and then went down at 46 and a half. So, yeah, you worry about this losing some support. But I think what augurs well in our direction is that now legalization exists somewhere. And they're going to keep hearing right. Colorado, Washington, Oregon. They're going to hear these sales figure numbers, how much tax money is coming in. And I think that'll help us from having too much support erode. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's good. Also, what's, what's very interesting is the, the cross tabs. Uh, I know you're a data nerd. Oh, and yeah. you'll, you'll, ch- you, uh, you'll check this out. Um, just extremely um, arresting to me was the... the um, so usually it's sort of it's uh, it's kind of monotonic by age, which means the younger you are, um, the, each each younger cohort is more in favor than the the next oldest yep. cohort. In this case, there's uh, um, the I guess you would call them the Gen Xers, people from 35 to 49 are polling yes at the exact same rate as 65 plus, which strikes me as really hmm. weird. Um, I've never seen a number like this, but um, you know, I looked it up. And Survey USA has a pretty good, is in, held in pretty good repute among pollsters. Oh yeah. So uh, I don't know if this is just one wonky outlier or what. Yeah, I'll have to take um, a look at that. I look forward to the link uh, if you'll send that to me at Radical Russ yeah. at Gmail. I'll I'll, I'll I'll dig into that in drug war data mining. That'd be fun. Great. Uh, thanks so much. I appreciate the, hey, the th- chance. To, thank you uh, for being talk, the very talk. first caller on our new 650 Legal MJ line. Awesome. You're awesome. the winner. <laughs> Take care, man. Oh, uh, yeah. The line is open. 650 Legal MJ. We're going to take a break here and we'll take more calls when we return. At 650-LEGAL-MJ, that's uh, 534-2565. We'll also take a look at some of the other stories that are percolating around the marijuana web when we return. We're back in two minutes after we pay some of the bills. Stick around. This is Cannabis Radio. I'm Radical Russ in Portland, and we are live.
is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. Hello? Hey, uh, are you the one that put the ad on Craigslist? Uh, it was in the, the personal no. section uh, about, you know, want to have a, little, uh, have a little good time tonight? No. Nothing about, you know, any uh, backdoor action? No. A little fifth base? You're not into that? No, and I, I suggest you don't fucking call my son and my fucking perverted bastard. Are you, are you sure you're not the one on the Craigslist? You're talking dirty to me. Damn, she hung out. That was good. It was funny, though. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 14 after the hour here at Toker Talk Radio. Checking out my Twitter feed. Uh, I just got a tweet from somebody uh, 38 minutes ago that says, Prop 64 is down to 52% today. Alma is doomed. I knew it was when I heard you were supporting it. That's uh, Patrick Moore. Goes by at Dr. Mesmer. Jumping into the uh, Letitia Pepper feed. Yeah. And uh, tweeted me three times in a seven-minute period to let me know that uh, I'm about as radical as Reader's Digest and about as as interesting, that my advertisers should be embarrassed to support me, and that everybody is bored with me. Okay. So bored with me, you tweeted me three times in seven minutes. Who the fuck are you again? Nobody? Okay, got it. Uh, All right, let's uh, pull out the band hammer on Mr. Patrick Moore because I haven't got time for this kind of bullshit. So we go online to the 
blah de blah de blah and we say block. Because I am just, uh, I'm tired of uh, my world being clouded by the rambling gibberish of idiots who want to keep me a criminal. I'm just sick of it. And this, the way they try to couch their, their opposition as if there's some sort, like they've got the secret that nobody else knows. Like, like they are the, the rebel alliance fighting against the big galactic corporate empire that's coming to take over marijuana for the 1%. When I get those comments, it, it cracks me up. I love that. Oh, it's going to be corporate marijuana. It's going to be taken over by the 1%. The 1% is going to own it. It's all going to be corporate. Why are you more afraid of the legal capitalist system than the prohibition system. For 80 years, we've had this policy that says if you grow pot, we can take your stuff, your kids, your job, lock you in a cage. We've had trillion dollars spent over four decades to fund federal, state, and local police agencies to outfit them with military gear and advanced eavesdropping technology to eradicate every cannabis plant they can find. But you're more afraid of a legal corporation farming cannabis and selling it at a store. That's your fear. I just don't understand fearing legality more than prohibition. This this call is... This wail about, oh, the 1% and the can, oh, it's Sean Parker, billionaire, and the can, they're taking it all over. It's all going to be the 1%. Tells me that you got a very narrow and immature understanding of how the world works. What is it? Why did you think that cannabis, once legalized, would be different than any other consumer commodity? In America and most of the Western civilizations, we don't barter. We've come up with a capitalist system. We've come up with a system of somewhat regulated markets to produce, buy, sell, and transport consumer goods from IKEA furniture to whoopee cushions to dildos to kumquats. It doesn't matter. There is a market for it, and that market involves companies and corporations and stockholders and trades and money and profit and employees. And why was cannabis supposed to be any different? What's so magical about this plant that somehow there were never going to be corporations involved? I just don't get it. And and to me, it's even more maddening because... We already have the example to work off of in alcohol. Alcohol is corporate as hell. Alcohol is mega corporations. We're talking multinational conglomerates. Imbev. They're huge. They brew, they brew billions and billions of cans of cheap ass watered down sex in a canoe beer. 
You know why they call it sex in a canoe? Because it's pretty close to water. It's fucking close to water. <laughs> but we still have micro brews. We still have brew pubs. We still have brew your own home brews. Why is cannabis going to be any different than that? Blows my mind. Just don't understand. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. But I'll tell you what the real reason is, the fear the 1% are taking over. What that really says is, my gig of growing some plants on the sly, harvesting them and selling them for the same price as silver per pound, and then paying no taxes and filing no paperwork and having no regulations or inspections, that's coming to an end. That's what they really fear. Happy 420 Pacific Time Zone. We'll be right back. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORML. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I opted for convenience to use my personal email account. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Uh, welcome back, everyone. 23 after the hour. All right, checking out the polls. Uh, Tuesday, the poll was released. That's today. Oh, my God, I hate these websites. So let me just... News websites. Can I ask you two things, news websites? Number one, stop with the goddamn video that when you scroll down, it moves from the top of the screen and scrolls all the way to the bottom corner. Stop that. And number two, stop with that website template that if you click outside of the news story on either side, it takes you back to the main page. Stop that. All right. (laughs) Griping over. Um, 
So uh, the, the, the poll I reported on today, the Prop 64 poll, uh, USC Dorn's Life Los Angeles Times poll was released today, and it was the 58% support, 34% against. Now, we've got some of the stoners against legalization popping up into my feed that say, oh, Proposition 64 support is falling. It's only 52% from Survey USA. So I, I go out to the cannabis here, and their website indeed says, um, Fifty-two percent of California voters surveyed by Survey USA support Proposition 64, uh, according to the Orange County Register, uh, and it also notes the USC Dorn's Life poll at fifty-eight percent. Um, now, the Survey USA poll, their question was: Currently, medical marijuana is legal in California, but recreational marijuana is not. Proposition 64 would legalize and tax the recreational use of marijuana. Will you vote yes on Proposition 64, which would legalize the recreational use of marijuana by adults age 21 and older and which would license, regulate, and tax the marijuana industry? Or will you vote no on 64, which would keep the state laws as they are now? 52% yes, 40% no, and 8% undecided. So, um, first of all, the, uh, the idea that two polls that are showing it will pass is a bad thing is kind of funny but what they're going to is they're going there's a story at 24 7 wall street and they're talking about how pew research back in may found a 64 percent or a 60 percent uh support and survey usa now says it's slipped to 52 percent now it would be interesting to find out the Pew Research May survey. Let's see if I can find that May marijuana poll and see how they asked their question and whether or not it was specific about uh, the marijuana legalization, marijuana California. Let's try that. Because if it's just asking, do you support the legalization of marijuana? It may not be the same uh, same deal. Let's see. The Public Policy Institute poll uh, also shows uh, majority support. Let's see. Pew Research 2015. What I, I guess the, the main point to make on this is that uh, whether or not support is rising or falling is, is difficult to ascertain b between the uh, different ways that they ask the question. And so if we don't know exactly what the question says, it's going to be harder uh, to determine what the uh, actual change has been. I haven't seen the Pew poll. I'm not exactly sure how it's uh, breaking down. But I wouldn't worry too much about this. I think the support is, is, is still high in California. We're going to see a lot of spending by the other side, but we're also going to see, you know, uh, the prop 64 campaign has a, a lot of money and they're going to be able to put their uh, commercials out as well. The frightening thing I think about trying to legalize California is that the medical marijuana is so accessible that there are people out there on our, in our community that figure there's no problem left to solve. There's, what's the big deal? I go, to my, I go to my pot doc. I pay my 50 bucks. I get my card every year. 
And then I go to any number of dispensaries and I buy weed. What's the problem? And I think I'm coming up with a way to get through to some of these people. To convince them there's a problem. And I want to do it the same way that we attack our opposition. And that is in the pocketbook. In the wallet. Anytime you find some of these people online, these anti-Prop 64 people, first of all, you got to determine whether or not they're one of the true believers or whether or not they're one of the sheep, okay? Uh, uh, Letitia Pepper, this Dr. Mesmer, whoever the hell he is, this Charles Wallace, whatever, all these guys have been arguing with on Twitter, Jeff Clark and so on, they're not going to change their mind. But some people out there, especially younger and, and, and again, low-information type voters, um, are going to hear these things, and they have this natural tendency to conspiracy theorize and hate the man, anti-authority, the 1%, blah, blah, blah. So this argument that, you know, hey, medical marijuana is great. It's not corporate. It's, you know, it's lax. You can, it's easy. Get your wreck. You go buy your, your stuff. You're good. But this Prop 64, it's the man and it's the 1% and it's taxation, it's regulation, it's corporations and it's evil and it's the empire. Okay. So, when you find someone with that mindset, what I like to do is to flip the script and show them how they're actually being played as suckers by these anti-Prop 64 people. And the quickest way to do that is to ask them, hey, where do you buy your pot? Oh, well, I go to Bob's dispensary on Melrose or wherever the hell he goes. I don't know. Right. Whatever dispensary. Oh, okay. So, uh. What's a what's a half ounce cost you there at, at Bob's? So you can get us a, a top shelf half ounce of say Durban poison. What, what's your price there? Oh well, uh, in, in a half ounce Durban poison, I can get that for you know one hundred and seventy five bucks. Really? Yeah, I just got some in uh, in Washington for forty five bucks. Forty five dollars. I'm finding ounces of top shelf around this Pacific Northwest ounces for 100 to 150 bucks good quality marijuana no greater than 250 an ounce hovering around 200 175 those kind of prices so you want to tell me how great this medical marijuana is when you're paying 300 dollars an ounce 325 an ounce you want to tell me the man, the 1%, the corporations are going to ruin everything when I can currently walk into a weed shop in two different states here in the Pacific Northwest where it's taxed and it's regulated in Washington state overtaxed all the way up to 37% for God's sake and still come out with marijuana as good or better than what you're getting in California in the medical market at far cheaper prices. Tell me how that's screwing me over. Tell me how... You're not being screwed over right now. Tell me why I'm fearing the man and the 1% when you're still beholden to the grower and the dealer. Where you're not getting any better break on prices than the guy I got my eighths from in the parking lot of a Walgreens in Boise, Idaho. That's where we start to win those hearts and minds. To let them understand that what medical marijuana is in California right now is is a market capture. It's a artificial restriction 
of the marijuana market that favors Northern California growers and Southern California dispensary owners that allows them to have just enough illegality involved, just enough prohibition to keep that price at the same prohibition, 300, 350 an ounce price that they've grown to know and love just enough to keep that wholesale price for those growers, in the Emerald triangle up above a thousand bucks a pound, just enough risk to maintain the prices, but so little risk that we don't have to worry about going to prison anymore, getting busted by cops or raided, maybe the DEA or the IRS, but for the most part, we're scot-free. See, that was the vision of legalization that so many of these growers and dealers back in the day envisioned. What they thought of legal, what they thought legalization meant was we keep doing what we're doing. We still have our carefree sleep till noon, make our own schedule, play in the dirt farmer's lifestyle, but we get drug dealer profits from it. And there's no chance of going to jail. That's what they thought legalization meant. Keep everything the way it is now, but just take the cops out of it. Take the possibility of jail out of it. But otherwise, everything's just the same as it is now. We make a ton of profit. We have a, a really cool lifestyle we get to lead. That's what they thought legalization was. And so that's why no legalization initiative is ever going to satisfy them. Because no legalization initiative is ever going to do that. Sometimes you'll hear these guys misuse the word decriminalization in this respect. They'll say, I want it decriminalized. And what they mean is, I want it unregulated. I want there to be no regulations or laws whatsoever on marijuana so I can do with it whatever I want, anytime I want, anywhere I want, sell it to whoever I want, pay no taxes, have no inspections, have no labeling or worries or, or restrictions on how I sell it or market it. And that just ain't happening. Cannabis is a consumer commodity. It will be subject to the same rules of supply and demand and markets and laws and regulations and taxes and inspections as other consumer commodities. And at first, more so than other consumer commodities. It's going to be far more restricted. And that's just the way it is. You can wish and hope and quote Jack Herrer and, and sprinkle fairy dust on it for all I care. But reality is reality. So for these Californians, I think you got it so good with medical marijuana. And again, first of all, it's, it's kind of short-sighted because there's still lots of places in California they don't have it so good. Where they don't have dispensaries, they don't have access, where they got bans on growing indoors and outdoors. Of course, you know, if you're being selfish, why would you care about not just other Californians in areas of the state that aren't so friendly, but for that matter, the rest of the country, the rest of the world that is sitting around watching the 2016 election, waiting for that big domino of California to fall that they know triggers the rapid de-escalation and dismantling of the drug war. And these people want to piss it away so that they can keep their laxly regulated, high-profit lifestyle. Well, I've had it. I'm done with them. Uh, I find them on my Twitter feed anymore. I'm just blocking them. I got my day full dealing with the Kevin Sabets of the world. Actual 
qualified, influential opponents who really do hate marijuana. I don't have time for the Letitia Peppers anymore. Thousand bucks. You want me to bait one of these people? Thousand dollars. Other than that, ain't got time for them. I'm going to take a quick break, pay some bills. When we come back, we got more on Toker Talk Radio. Phone lines, 650-LEGAL-MJ. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted, available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. Obama, for instance, no matter what he said, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be against him for saying whatever it is. Santa Claus is a nice guy. Someone says, Santa Claus must be a thief if Obama likes him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a racist attitude. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I beat China all the time. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It is 39 after the hour. And uh, it's just funny, the stoners against legalization, cheering that a legalization plan might fail. <sighs> what do you do with them, right? Well, I have I have some suggestions. And um, this is, this is I, I kind of carry this over from the no on I-502 days. And I I made this pledge that I challenged them to sign. 
the No on I-502 pledge. I challenged them to sign it, and what it was was a pledge that said, due to my overwhelming objection to Initiative 502 legalizing marijuana in Washington State, I hereby pledge I will never accept any work from an I-502 store. I will never purchase a product at an I-502 store. I will have nothing to do with the benefits that are reaped from the legalization of marijuana. I will continue to buy my weed medically or on the black market. I won't shop at the stores. I won't work at the stores. I won't work as a, as a grower, etc., etc., etc. That was the pledge, basically. I'm paraphrasing. The idea was, all right, put your money where your mouth is. If you think I-502 is such an awful, terrible, heretical piece of shit, then pledge that you will not work in that industry. I'm going to issue the same challenge to all these no on Prop 64 people in California, to the no on Prop 2, oh, the, what was it? Marijuana Consumers Against Fake Marijuana Legalization of Marijuana in Arizona Marijuana Club, whatever they're called. Same challenge to you guys. If there's any of you left out in the East Coast, whoever you are, if you are a pot smoker and you intend to continue smoking pot and you are actively campaigning on social media to reject the legalization of marijuana that's on your ballot, then you need to pledge. You need to put your money where your mouth is and tell us all that you will not work in that industry. You will not shop at those shops. Yeah, that's, that's the reaction I usually get. Crickets, nothing. They ain't going to sign that pledge. They're going to be one of the ones that's standing in the fucking line when the newspaper and the radio reporters are there to see the first sales ever at a legal shop. They'll be one of the ones in line. And I'm not just, uh, I'm not just uh, guessing on this. I actually know this for a fact. Some of my longtime listeners will know that I have a, uh, one of my haters out there uh, was a writer by the name of Steve Elliott. He's still around. Of course, he got fired from his Village Voice job and uh, his Toke of the Town gig. And he now writes a a different blog that is less successful, seeing as it has no major backing to prop him up and his plagiarism. But anyway, uh, this guy, uh, this guy hates me. He calls me Rectal Russ, by the way. That's that's his uh, that's his name for me. You know, I could reciprocate and call him Steve Smelliot or something, but I don't need to. Anyway, this guy hates my guts and uh, has written lots of anti stuff about me and posted all sorts of cute photoshopped, you know, memes about me and so forth. Hates my guts. And uh, he was one of the ones I issued the challenge to back in 2012. Like, all right, Steve, you hate this so bad. You hate this so much. You got to pledge. You will not take cent from any of the I-502 benefits. Well, guess what? Guess who's writing paid columns paid uh reports whatever you want to call them for one of the leading i-502 pot shops in seattle washington uncle ikes you guessed it (laughs) you guessed it steve elliott so i-502 apparently sucks it's gonna hurt the patients it's gonna cause 600 ounces and a mass increase in duis and destroy medical marijuana but 
Steve Elliott's cool with taking money from an I-502 store. Nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, this is a, this is a pledge that you're not going to find many of them taking anytime soon. The passage of Prop 64 in California this year is not, is not a ballot initiative to just legalize marijuana in California. What Prop 64 is, is a worldwide referendum on what we've done so far in the four states that have legalized marijuana. 2012, Washington and Colorado, oh my God, we legalized pot. 2014, Oregon and Alaska, oh my God, it wasn't a fluke. This time around, this third time around, now 2015, of course, Ohio being kind of an outlier because of its radically different style uh, or language in its uh, initiative. But California's initiative, Prop 64, is not that unlike the legalization that already exists in four other states. In fact, it improves upon them. I mean, unlike Washington, it's got home grow. It's got some protections for against banning of grows that some of the other states don't have. There's a lot good in this Prop 64. It's pretty much, I mean, what the reality on the ground will be for the cannabis consumer after Prop 64 passes is pretty much the same reality that cannabis consumers in Oregon, Washington, Alaska, and Colorado live under. Not so much Washington, because again, they don't have home grow, but again, most people don't grow. So for the vast majority of cannabis consumers, not getting busted for your ounce and being able to shop at a pot shop is pretty much going to satisfy 95% of us, I'd think. California's not too different. So this third election season around, third major election season around, California is a referendum on did what we do is what we're doing in these four states the right way to keep moving forward. There's only going to be one of two headlines regarding Prop 64 on November 9th. California passes legalization or California rejects legalization again. Those are the two headlines. We can reword them in a bunch of different ways, but those are it. It's not the headlines not going to be Rebel Alliance saves California from certain legalization disaster. Letitia Pepper saved the day by keeping prohibition intact. Those are not going to be the headlines. Either California legalizes or it does not. And if California legalizes after four other states have legalized and alongside possibly four more other states legalizing, that sends the message loud and clear that the path forward in the United States of America henceforth shall be to the legalization of marijuana nationwide. Once California's in the bag, and hopefully four more other states, and we got nine legal states in Washington, D.C., almost 20% of the country that has legal marijuana, more than half of the country that has medical marijuana, it then becomes overwhelmingly inevitable. But if California fails, if California fails twice, In six years, if California remains the only place on the West Coast without legal recreational marijuana, especially if it gets surrounded by Nevada and Arizona passing it, 
then the prospects for legalizing in California dim to 2020 at best. At worst, a loss in California could be the turning point, the swing of the pendulum away from marijuana legalization. It could be that, you know, I could see op-ed writers saying America has come to a point of sober reflection in the move to legalize marijuana with California rejecting marijuana for the second time in six years. Critics are saying more needs to be observed in Washington and Oregon and Colorado and Alaska before we move forward. Let's wait another four years. Let's see what happens in those other states. And what could happen in those other states? Tax revenues could level off. We could finally reach the point where the market's saturated and everybody's getting what they want. And we're not seeing stories of new record windfall and new record tax revenue coming in. We'll continue to get more bad stories, probably anecdotes of somebody wrecking their car high on weed or some parent leaving their kid in a hot car on a summer day after they'd smoked weed or all these little scare stories that by themselves are little tiny things, but they lead to a death by a thousand cuts in the public perception of what marijuana legalization is. So far, the media have covered all of the revolutionary aspects of legalization, how it's created jobs and tax revenue and new businesses and all that. But over time, that story is going to fade. The first few states that legalize, the first few times there's the first legal sale, and the first few times there's a report of tax revenue, it's interesting. By 2018, nobody's going to care. It's going to be another another weed story. It's just going to fall to the back pages. And so these editorial writers and these newspaper editors and web editors are going to have to look for new, interesting, clickable, readable stories about marijuana. And those will start to become... What we find in other parts of the news, if it bleeds, it leads. We're going to find all these bad stories starting to crop up. Our opponents will start funding more studies to find out the bad things that are happening from legalization. Don't take any of this for granted, folks. We got to get this passed. We got to get Prop 64 passed. For these stoners against legalization, man, that are only looking at their little world of being able to buy their weed at the dispensary and get their wreck at the pot shop, not looking to the rest of California where that's not necessarily the case and not looking to the rest of the United States where most of it, that isn't the case and not looking to the rest of the world where there's places where they still kill people, execute them for growing and selling marijuana. And to not understand the pivotal place The keystone that is California in this whole situation is to be woefully naive and ignorant about how the world works. California legalizing sends a message not just to the rest of the United States, but the entire world. The entire world consumes California culture. From the movies to the celebrities, the paparazzi, the music. When California passes marijuana legalization, we begin the rapid end of this drug war. And I mean the whole drug war, not just marijuana. Marijuana is the grist for the drug war mill. 
half of the arrests on the war on drugs are marijuana. Most of the seizures in asset forfeiture that have to do with drugs have to do with marijuana. There's just not enough. The the cost-benefit analysis of going after the hard drugs doesn't work out so well. For one, the people that are problematic hard drug users tend to have less assets to seize. And they don't work as well as prison workers. There's just not enough profit going after them. And most of the manufacture of these other drugs is happening in other countries where it's even more difficult to go after the kingpins. Yes, legalize California with Prop 64 this year, and we begin the end of the drug war. No question. All right, stay tuned. We'll wrap things up live from Portland when we come back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. (sighs) Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome! Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 55 after the hour. As we close up, I want to leave you with a tidbit I got today from a fellow activist, Jennifer Alexander, here in uh, Portland, Oregon, who notes that uh, Kevin Sabet and the, uh, the Oregon Marijuana Summit isn't happening this year. 
And we think that's weird because in 2012, when we were voting on legalization, uh, well, actually, 20, yeah, 2012 or 2010, we were uh, voting on a, uh, uh, a medical issue in Oregon. I think it was dispensaries. And uh, in 2010, Kevin Sabet showed up with cavalry and uh, a cavalry full of, you know, rehabbers and those types to have the Oregon Marijuana Education Summit. And we complained. We said, that seems like you're trying to do something to uh, to fight our initiative. No, no, no. No, it's just about education, he said. But strangely enough, in 2011, when we didn't have something on the ballot, no education summit. But in 2012, when we had legalization on the ballot, there was Kevin Sabet again with an Oregon Marijuana Summit to educate people around the state about marijuana. But not, he insisted, not to compete or to, to campaign against the legalization initiative. But then in 2013, no Oregon Marijuana Summit. That's, that's strange. But in 2014, when we had legalization on the ballot, suddenly there was Kevin Sabet again in the Oregon Marijuana Summit. Now, that time is when I got involved and started doing open records requests to the uh, counties that were helping to bankroll Kevin Sabet to the tune of $3,000 in appearance. And we found they were using uh, their state drug education funds for that, which was in violation of Oregon's anti-electioneering laws about campaigning against initiatives with state money. And we got him to cancel half the tour. Well, he didn't show up in 2015, and for some reason he's not showing up in 2016. I guess, I guess marijuana education only needs to happen when it's on the ballot. And uh, to prove that, apparently he's set up some gig in California. I got a friend on Twitter who's uh, filling me in on it. But the uh, Kevin Sabet anti-marijuana shit show is on his way to California. If you want some help on trying to get the open records on that kind of stuff, he did the same thing in Arizona, too. Uh, email me, RadicalRust at Gmail, and I'll help you out. It's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember, on Friday, our special guest is Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura, ex-governor. I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. Come on take a seat, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seat, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seat, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down.